At Pragmatic Institute, we give you the knowledge you need to meet the demands of your business and your market. Make sure you have that knowledge at your fingertips for 2020 by registering for one of our upcoming courses this year. Space in our remaining courses is quickly running out, but there's still time to transform the way you work with expert advice from our accomplished industry leaders. Register for a course at pragmaticinstitute.com and become the competitive advantage in your business. to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Caligaris, Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. Today, we're joined by Alex McDonald, Managing Director at Eigenworks. Alex has spent his career digging into clients and markets to find and deliver actionable intelligence that can help organizations make better decisions. And today, he's here to teach you a little bit about how to listen your way to better buyer insight. Welcome, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rebecca. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, Alex, first, can you just give us a little bit more background on you and on Eigenworks? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm a, a market intelligence professional. Um, what that means is, is I study buyers, customers, markets as a whole, competitors, um, to try to figure out what, uh, what, what's the real story, what's really happening, um, so that the organizations that I work for can make more informed decisions about what to build uh, and what story to tell that will cut through the, the competitive noise in the market uh, and, and land with buyers. So uh, right now at Eigenworks, we, uh, we run win-loss and churn analysis projects. So we're a really specialized research and consultancy we uh, a typical you know project or program for us is is a batch of in-depth customer interviews uh, where we are are talking to recent wins, recent losses, customers who've churned, customers who've recently renewed, and we're trying to get at the real story. Uh, you know the the alternative to to doing this kind of research is you know you just you ask your sales reps and, and customer success managers to maybe enter a few things into CRM when they go to close out an opportunity and. That can actually be, you know, we, we like to say worse than useless because it's very difficult for a sales rep to understand the real story of what happened. They're, they're kind of the first party to that transaction. And, uh, and so we get to come in as an independent third party, speak with that customer, unpack their story, their decision, and then, uh, and then distill that down to something useful for our clients. That's what we do at Eigenworks. Um, before joining Eigenworks, I ran market and competitive intelligence at an online learning company called D2L. I was uh, started as a one-person team there. We grew it to, to two people before I left. We doubled the team. Um, and our job was, was doing work much like I, I do at Eigenworks now as a consultant, but doing that in-house. Um, so a couple of different perspectives on this work. But uh, yeah, that's me. Great. So basically, you do kind of listen for a, a living. Listen for a living is a great way to put it, yeah. So you think about all that, I am no doubt you have learned a lot of, I wouldn't want to say tricks and tips because that makes it sound like they're yeah. too light. But what have you learned about listening? How do you become a good listener and really hear what they're, not only what they're saying, but what they're trying to say? 
Yeah, it's a great question. So this is uh, this is kind of a, a set of techniques that we really pride ourselves on at Eigenworks. Um, I'll, I'll give you a few examples. So uh, first of all, like when we do our interviews, we have a structure, but not a script. And the difference there is that, you know, a script is kind of, you're not really following the narrative where it's going naturally. Uh, if you had no structure at all, then you'd be coming up with, you know, what questions to ask on every interview on the fly, and that just doesn't, doesn't scale well. So we have what we call a structure. Uh, in general, that structure starts off with very open-ended questions about that buyer's world, what they're trying to achieve in their job, not even, you know, the decision, the win or loss for our client that we're trying to, that we're trying to study, just really wide open descriptive questions. We're not asking them, why did you make this decision or why did you start looking for this software or that software? We don't want them in a justification mindset. We want them in a storytelling mindset. So we don't ask, you know, from one to 10 type questions. We don't ask what was the most important feature in your decision. Uh, we don't want them in that really kind of hyper-rational and, and justifying mindset. We just want them talking about their their day-to-day, -day, their work, their life. And then from there, we do things like play back our understanding. So we have this technique that we call the, the it sounds like statement. Um, this is, uh, this was, this was kind of expanded on in a great book about negotiation called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. That would definitely be on my recommended reading list for anyone who's interested in this stuff. But it's this way of playing back and distilling your understanding, not just repeating their words back to them, but actually clarifying it in a way that helps them understand what they just said even better. And what you're listening for when you do that, it sounds like statement is you want to play back what you just heard and you want them to say something like, that's right, or that's exactly right. Or even, you know, you said it better than I did. And then you're really now getting closer to probably the true story. So you've, you've had them open up the story about this decision you're trying to study. You've played it back. You've built a little bit of rapport. You've shown you're truly listening. Then you can start to round out your understanding of this story and actually even put a little bit of pressure on it. So um, let's say my client thinks that there is this one feature that should, you know, every buyer should be thinking about this feature. Why, you know, it, because it's a differentiator for them. And, you know, buyers just, it's not coming up in every buying decision. So at that midpoint of the interview, I might ask questions that we call the, the what about question. So what about you know, a certain feature. And then I get to hear from the buyer whether they were ever even presented with that feature. Uh, if they were presented with it, did they understand it? And, and did they actually see it as unique to our client? Um, so I could pressure the decision a little bit. And then towards the end, we ask what we like to call the, the what if questions. So now that we understand all the variables and all the points in the journey, we try to mess with them. So what if uh, the competitor cut their, uh, their price in half? What if, what if they were much more willing to negotiate with you? What would have happened? How would that have affected things? So now there's, you still want them in that sort of storytelling mode, but, um, but now you're into hypotheticals, right? So uh, those are some of the techniques that we use to, to get people to, to open up, share their story, make sure that they feel heard um, and understood and then get our, our clients something that they can really act on, something that's really rich and insightful. Um, so tell me a little bit, okay, so do the, when you do those interviews, so you kind of have a structure, not a script, is that right? Yeah, that's it. Perfect. And then playing back what you hear to make sure you understood. Uh, and then how do you take what you heard and turn all of that information and all of those stories and anecdotes into 
data? Yeah, that's a big challenge. So, you I mean, you think about the job of a, of a product marketer or product manager, and you're, you're kind of always dealing in, in two major currencies. Like on the one hand, we, you know, we talk a lot about being data-driven, and there are lots of objective facts and, and quantitative data that we can use for that. But then we're also very much powered by stories, right? The messages we're designing, uh, the stories that we believe or don't believe about what's happening in the market, those narratives. And so we, we try to kind of walk that line in our work. I mean, what we're capturing in our interviews definitely are more like stories. Like they are, these are buyer stories that, um, you know, it, it's, it's all centered around buyer's journey, what they wanted to achieve. And then how did our client or our client's competitors happen to intersect with that? That's a narrative, right? The challenge that we, uh, we've put a lot of thought and work into is if you've done now 20 of those interviews or 100 or 200, like some of our largest programs have, um, what tools do you have or what, what, um, what sort of architecture is there available to find patterns across all those interviews? And so what we've put a lot of thought and, and effort into is um, what we call a, a coding system um, that, that itemizes every force and factor in the decision into essentially a, a record in a database that you can, you can search and slice and dice. Um, and the, the way that the data emerges for any given interview or set of interviews is very, it, it truly is emergent. Uh, it's, it's not just, you know, like filling out a tax form where, where every field only has, you know, a few multiple choice options. Uh, it really emerges with wherever the project goes. So, yeah, we call that our, our decision forces model. We think about all the kind of, you know, each push and each pull along a buyer's journey. Uh, and so that's how we, uh, we codify them. And then we get in there with our clients and, and just follow our curiosity, ask all kinds of questions and see where it leads us. So you kind of take the qualitative and make it a little bit more quantitative. I imagine that's quite helpful um, when presenting not just to your immediate contact in the client, but when they're presenting to the wider organization. That's right. That was a perfect playback. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so then what, uh, can you tell me a few of the stories about some of your clients? I know you, you can't share a lot of the details, but some examples either of clients you have today or work that you've done in your past. Um, I think it's always fun to hear neat insights people have gleaned from a, from a win-loss. Yeah, so there's a couple that come to mind. Um, so in one case, we were studying customer churn and retention for a client. And we found that there were a few key attributes of, uh, of an account and, or of a buyer that would lead to success or lead to churn. And by isolating those factors, we were able to, first of all, help the CS team uh, identify and then address those factors. But to go even more a little bit upstream, we helped their, their marketers and salespeople and business development people get a little bit tighter on their qualification so that if, if those attributes for success, if those predictors for success were not present, they could have even more discipline about qualifying themselves in or out of those accounts. That was a big deal, right? Because if, if you're scattershot and you're going into all kinds of you know, segments and sub-segments and you don't have a clear sense of, what characteristics am I actually looking for here that will predict customer success? You know, you're, you're, you're pretty vulnerable to, to high risk of churn there. So that was really impactful for that client. Another uh, 
example that comes to mind was, so as part of our research strategy stage where we're preparing uh, for these interviews, we ask our clients to almost like enable us the same way they would enable their salespeople with the talk tracks and the differentiators and all the things that they believe make them unique and special. And what we found going into this particular study was one of the things, one of the differentiators that this client offered, it was at the top of their list, it was something they wanted their reps talking about all the time, was actually kind of polarizing among the buyers that we spoke to. Uh, it wasn't that it wasn't unique. It was, in fact, unique in sort of a literal and factual way when you compared our client to their top competitor. But buyers were actually really polarized on the value of, of this particular uh, service offering. Uh, some buyers thought that the service took away from, you know, a part of a function that they wanted to be doing in-house that they thought was very important. And so, you know, the, the differentiator was it was presented, it was unique. Um, but it wasn't actually deeply understood or valued. It was actually quite misunderstood. So being able to isolate um, issues like that is that's kind of the thrill of this work that I, I really love. Like, you know, before doing this type of research, you might have eight to 20 different potential issues with your, with your, you know, um, with your sales and marketing motions that might be worth fixing. But after doing this research, you might be able to narrow that, that down to two or three. Okay, we really need to focus on the qualification criteria, or we really need to focus on the enablement around this particular differentiator. So uh, yeah, those are a couple examples that were, that were pretty exciting to be a part of. And I think it's not just focused, like eliminating sales or marketing things you might not work on, but it's prioritizing. That's right. And it's not only helpful for the people who are doing those functions to prioritize, but it's also helpful to explain to external parts, why we've prioritized that. Uh, everybody has, you know, sometimes your, your own pet project or your pet peeve that you want to address sooner rather than later, but all of us are resource restraints. And the more we can, both for ourselves and for uh, external parts of the organization, explain why we're doing what we're doing and in what order, I think that's just, uh, it's powerful. Yeah, right on. So we've talked a little bit about how you have a framework for listening and how you take uh, in order to get the most information out of customers and, and really understand what they're trying to tell us. And then how you take those stories and tidbits and really turn them into information and data that the organization could use. And then you shared a couple of great examples um, about, about places where you've seen this be successful. So it's a lot of different things that we talked about. Are there, if you were to talk to the listeners and say, there's two things that they would start doing differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would that be? Yeah, I think at the top of that list is talk to some customers. And when I say talk to, I don't mean, uh, you know, send out a survey to 500 customers with a 2% response rate. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, sitting in on a sales call or a, or a customer success, you know, quarterly business review or starting your own sort of internal research effort that looks like this, where you're doing one-on-one -on -one interviews, uh, marketer to customer, or maybe product manager to customer, this stuff is crucial. I mean, if you can then, if you can create um, a collection, like a, a gallery of buyer stories that all kinds of people around the organization can refer to and learn from, that's a, that's a pretty powerful accomplishment. And I think, you know, a, a pretty uh, awesome place to be professionally or, or in your career to be the person who uh, really is the, the source of truth for all things, customer stories and, and, uh, and can actually speak to the realities. Um, 
good place to be. Yeah, and, and one more thing I want to mention, Rebecca, is um, is the person that I learned a lot of this from. Uh, his name was Alan Armstrong. He was the CEO, founder, uh, visionary here at Eigenworks. Uh, he actually passed away last month, um, just uh, just here in August. And it's been a huge loss, a huge void. He was a, a leader, a mentor, not just for us, but for this entire community. I know he was you know, very closely involved with Pragmatic. Um, it was part of his kind of origin and developing some of these research strategies in the first place was working with key people at Pragmatic. So, um, you know, I, I really hope that, that by just kind of spreading these, these messages about the importance of, of deeply understanding customer stories, customer journey, uh, we can pay a bit of a tribute to Alan because he was a, a huge influence for me. So I'm, I'm grateful for the chance to spread the message here. No, and I, he was a, a longtime friend of Pragmatic. He was a passionate believer in being market-driven and in listening to customers. And as you said, uh, a thought leader in the space as we look to continue to perfect techniques in this area to make a difference. So I'm glad that you shared your story and I'm glad that we can all see the influence he had in it. Yeah, in a big way. I mean, if I can share one more anecdote with you, I mean, the, the skills, the interviewing and listening skills that I learned here at Eigenworks, they, they have a big impact on the rest of my life. I mean, it's such a universal skill set, asking questions and then listening to the answers that um, you, you can't help but start applying those skills elsewhere once you've learned them. I mean, I, uh, one example that comes to mind was I was having, uh, having dinner with my mom and dad and they're having a, a bit of a quarrel. My, my dad was saying that he wanted to get a sous vide machine, you know, one of those kind of gadgets where you put meat in a Ziploc bag and then it hooks it to the perfect temperature or whatever. And my mom was like, no, we don't need more kitchen gadgets. She was, you know, she's just not having it. And with a little bit of playback, with a little bit of active listening, uh, we actually uncovered that, you know, my dad's real interest was not sous vide, but, you know, as he starts to think about retirement, they're both a couple of years away. Uh, what else, what's he going to put his kind of creative energy and enthusiasm into? Mm. He, he, needed a, he needed a hobby. He needed something that he could, he could pour all his, his creativity into. And my mom, on the other hand, as they're thinking about uh, downsizing, moving to a different place, just doesn't want to accumulate more stuff. And so what a different conversation you can have when you can get to that underlying level about what people are actually interested in, what they're actually trying to achieve, as opposed to, you know, what they might say on the surface. So, you know, the, the skills that I've learned here um, have really had a, a, a big impact on, on my whole life. I mean, I think the world is just a better place if we all practice strong listening with each other. And uh, to your point, that that argument or discussion with your parents yeah. uh, that they were having is, is very different than what it looked like on the surface. And you only get there when you really listen. Totally. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Alex. It was a genuine pleasure to have you on today and I hope we do it again soon. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. That does it for today's episode, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, and don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 